Oh, wow. That it? Mm. That was really good. Wait, let me try another piece. It's super crunchy. Not in like a hard crunchy, but almost like in a crispy way. And we're back with another episode of Food in the Hood. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I say that all the time in response <laughs> to your opening. That's we right. We have our routine. Yeah. We have our routine. Maybe we should have like a little jingle, like opening theme song. Yeah, we I should. I think I also said that last episode, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're pretty on schedule. Yeah. Since yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to do, really? <laughs> yeah, and really, um, we've gone, what well, we've always been recording remotely so there's That's really right. no difference we've actually never recorded a per i mean an episode in person and we were going to do that this year at ift potentially right. but you know that's uh-huh. not happening anymore <laughs> no the entire ift conference is now virtual yep uh-huh. yeah which is a big experience. deal yeah i mean like ift is just one of those things that as a food science person, you have to experience at least once. And a huge part of that is just going to the expo floor. I know. And then seeing people getting, like, trying out samples and seeing all the cool machines and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of very tactile, physical thing. Yeah. Hey, you know how, you know, a lot of the conventions and conferences struggle to get out of their reservation? Oh, really? And IFT had no trouble. Wait, what do you mean reservation? As in, like the the conference center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The convention oh. center. I'm surprised. Well, because literally the Chicago one got converted to a field hospital. Oh, so that's why. Yeah. Even if IFT wanted to do it this year, they couldn't have. They don't have a McCormick. facility. Yeah, right, for, right, for right, that right. scale of a show, you can't. Well, I guess do it, it kind of worked out for IIT then, because no no money lost there, right? Yeah, them. or I don't know how much they lost or not lost. Right, but, right. Huh. Um, yeah, so that's um, that's something interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think everything that was supposed to happen around summer is probably canceled, which is for for the greater good. Yeah, uh, like maybe later this year, stuff on planet right. may be still happening. I don't know. Right, I think some things that were supposed to happen end of the year still aren't canceled necessarily. I guess, I guess people are taking it day by day. Yeah, totally. Right, so. I was um I was looking at some of the international flights because mm-hmm. now um really for someone who wants to travel to China right now, not that you should travel, but say if you're a, a student and you want to uh, go visit home or right. um, re- go return home, um, there's literally no flight. Oh dang! And, really? Um, yeah, there's really really feel flights going outbound and they're not canceling flights uh, you know for a really long time right they're only planning like two weeks ahead or something so you right, see right, right. gradually flights are going away yeah i know uh-huh. people who have booked flights you know two months ago but as they were waiting you know, every two weeks or so or you know they would get notification that this route is canceled and they have to book a new route right through a different yeah. airline and that just get get that just keeps getting canceled etc mm-hmm. and you know but I good mean, thing is that flights are now um refundable and um reschedulable yeah that's that's good i think you know when one airline offers that sort of you know refundable reschedulable policy 
everyone else in the airline industry is going to catch up to that. Yeah, so, totally. That, that's really good for you know consumers at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess for our episode today, you know, we wanted to switch things up a little bit. Uh, ben and I have been recording almost every week or every two weeks, I would say. And um, <laughs> I think we went through almost every topic that we had listed out on our Excel sheet. <laughs> um, yeah, very close to being done. We have one monster topic. Which monster topic? Oh, I think I know. I think I know. Is it GMO? <laughs> yes, it's GMO. <laughs> we haven't touched that. Like we wouldn't even touch it with a stick two two meters away because that's such a controversial oh topic, yeah. and it's so much to unpack. Uh, but we thought we you know we'll change things up a little bit this episode and do a little thing, um, you know, where we would share food news and you know food related articles that we found interesting online. We'll share them with one another and discuss those and gauge, you know, yeah, one another's response and kind of build off of that. Um, yeah, sort of what's been happening recent and recently in the news for maybe the past few weeks and then our thoughts on it as well. Yep, and uh, we have a twist here, which is that um, both of us have found some news articles that are interesting, and uh, we picked uh, some pieces for each other. So supposedly my news, um, Amanda may may have seen it in the past or or may have heard of the, heard about it, but the chance is that this is something that I want to introduce to her so that. I can hear her、uh, first reactions on it. Right, right,、mm-hmm. and vice versa to me. We'll go back and forth, and you know, just talk about some of those top line. Well, not top line. Just talk about food science or even food industry related news,、um, and share them with you as well. Yep, totally. So, yep. Do you want to go and start us off? Okay, so I am going to. Go to this one, which is which I think it's 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 very interesting. So the title of this news piece is called "FDA Grants Temporary Labeling Flexibility for、okay. Non-Allergen Minor Ingredients." Should I open this article too? Oh、uh, yeah, you're talking you, you about can, it. Yeah. Okay. Go Never done this before. Interesting.、Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so, what did what does that really mean? So this is because of.、Um, You know, it's pandemic related, right? Because of、uh, the recent situation with sourcing ingredients, the FDA, so Food and Drug Administration, is allowing temporary flexibility in food labeling requirements.、Mm-hmm. So to you know, basically allowing minor changes in formulations to not reflect on the labels. So, for example,、right. if you are having, if you've been Using guar gum for、um, your 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 product. Guar is like a plant. It、um, requires international trade to get that. You might、um, switch up to a modified starch or to a、um, I don't know lactose bean gum or something. So something else, right?、Mm-hmm. So in this,、um, there is no mandatory updating on the label required、uh, for、right. this short period of time. But what you're saying is there's no labeling requirement for an ingredient change on the ingredient line, or do you mean there's no needed、uh, allergen labeling?、Uh, you, you know? No. So so the so the change needs to be non-allergenic. 
Oh, right. So so it's gotcha, like a minor gotcha. ingredient change in the label that、mm. doesn't have to be right away reflected. Right, right, right. So if I switch from I don't know, like if I switch from ingredient X to like peanut crumbles, well, obviously that is an allergen, and I can't you know rely on this ruling. But you're saying no, you can't. An ingredient that is not allergenic,、mm-hmm. I can temporarily change it without changing my label. Yes. Oh,、right. interesting. That should really offer a supplier some flexibility in their supply chain. Yeah, and I, I was, I don't know. I was just gonna, because since you work for a、um, a large CPG company,、mm-hmm. um, you probably have a lot of labeling experts just working、right. on the the rules and stuff. Right, definitely. I'm sure with any big company, there's a regulatory department, you know. And there's different people for different categories of products. Solely focus on you know working around those,、um, mm-hmm. keeping up to date with regulatory changes and making sure that's imp- implemented across our product space.、Um, but I think you know I think to some consumers they might just be thinking, well you know that's really easy to change something on the ingredient line, right? How, how hard is it to change it from from guar gum to modified starch? Yeah.、Um, <laughs> But I think you know when you're making stuff on such a large scale,、um, everything takes more effort to do.、Mm-hmm. So I can see how this would be a really you know great help for companies、um, in terms of allowing them to you know use alternative ingredients because the supply chain is so disrupted right now, right? For some 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 ingredients. Yeah, and something really interesting is that I think the rule states that you can't. Um, so the change of the ingredient can't affect any voluntary nutrition content or health claims on the label.、Mm-hmm. So you can't just like all of a sudden. I don't know if these applies to like non-GMO or、um, some of the more like the 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 vaguer claims that are、mm-hmm. not you know、um, quote unquote regular regulated,、mm-hmm. right? So so like if say you're using.、Um, You know, one type of sugar cane,、uh, cane、yeah. sugar, right? So it's just regular cane sugar. But then, because of all this COVID stuff, you might have to use uh, sugar, uh, you know, sucrose, uh, sucrose、um, extracted from GMO、uh, sugar beets or something.、Mm-hmm. I don't know if those will be reflected or if that will be allowed. In this situation, right, 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 right. Yeah, I think there's definitely more complexity to this rule, which is which is why you know companies have people who like so are solely focused on looking into these issues,、mm-hmm. um, especially you know with the intricacy that you just mentioned. Like, think about that, and think about the amount of products. A company might have that this might apply to, right? If you use modified starch in, let's say you're a pancake manufacturer and you use modified starch in, you know, ten of your products, then think about how much like of a headache that is trying to change that. Yeah,、um, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I think a lot of times a single ingredient is used across multiple product categories and even within the same category or same brand across multiple、um, SKUs. So it really is a very complex effort to, you know, 
change that. But that 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 that's a that's a interesting um, regulatory update. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I don't really follow regulatory updates. When I see like labeling FDA, I usually just, just skip across that article. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're able yeah. to break it down for us in a way that's very easily understandable. Yeah. So this is, I I thought it would be interesting to share. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. All right. Well, what do you have? I guess uh, my next one is not so industry wide. My next one is actually about butter. It's the last link on the dock. Okay. Um, but so I think what's really interesting is um, there were researchers at Serafina Therapeutics, which is based in San Diego. So these researchers found that you know C fifteen zero, which is a type of essential fatty acid has been shown in studies to demonstrate, you know, broad health benefits. Now, before I even jump into that, what do I mean when I say C15? Essentially, that is a fatty acid with a backbone carbon chain that has 15 carbons. And the zero just means that there are zero double bonds. Oh, right? so it's, is a, that right? it's a saturated fat. Yes, it's a saturated fat, yes. Interesting. And I think, you know, when we hear about saturated fat, People's general inclination is, oh, bad, heart and attack, also cardiac chance. arrest. Yeah, exactly. So and, uh, That's like so, the complete uh, opposite of <laughs> the norm. Right. And, you know, um, essentially what they found is this fatty acid, which is also known as pentadecanoic acid. Um, it's found in milk, butter, fish, plants, etc. But... The type of research they did, and you know, you might have an idea about how applicable this is when transferred to butter, but they looked specifically at this fatty acid um, hmm. in an application where they tested it in human cell systems and tried to mimic chronic inflammation, immune disorders, etc. And they showed that, you know, when mice, uh, like experimental, you know, lab mice, when their diets included this fatty acid, it had um, very positive health effects for them. Hmm. That's so, interesting. So that means um, it's anti-inflammatory? Well, potentially, or, okay. right? But it's saturated. But it is saturated. That's interesting. And I think, you know, when I heard about this news, my initial reaction was, you know how in the past, butter was kind of demonized, right? Back in the, I don't know, maybe 1970s or 80s or 1990s, <laughs> where people were eating more margarine instead of um, instead of butter because butter had a lot of saturated fats, right? Mm-hmm. Margarine had more unsaturated fats and less saturated fats. But that's before we realized that, you know, the high amount of trans fat and margarine from the hydro- hydrogenation is actually like equally or maybe even worse um, than saturated fats. Yeah, that's true. And so people kind of move back to butter uh, mm-hmm. from margarine, even though people are still using margarine to cook. Yeah. So like, I think it kind of made me think about how this is why people don't trust food scientists and nutritionists. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And just the entire, um, actually, this was interesting. I, um, I'm still in touch with my old um, uh, advisor from University of Minnesota, who is, uh, uh, she's a post-harvest um, physiologist. So basically, broadly speaking, a plant scientist. 
although I don't think she would take that title. Um, right. But she, <laughs> but she, um, her philosophy of eating is really, you know, back to the nature, right? Mm-hmm. To eat things that has been gone, uh, has been like in the market or in people's ha- food habits forever. Um, right. So, so to to consume as old as possible of the ingredients and to use it in the rawest form um, mm. before it starts to cook, right? So, I think that kind of goes along with what you're saying here. It's that the the older the ingredient, the less of the development is what really people are looking for. Right. And really, I think here. Um, I don't know. I like. I don't think neither of us have looked into the science, but mm-hmm. um, but at least from the results, it's um, it, it's it, it it's using science to back up something that has been practiced for a long time. Right, right. Uh-huh. I think also what's interesting to note is this study was very focused on using you know purely this fatty acid, so not giving butter to the lab mice, right? Mm-hmm. But giving this essential fatty acid to the lab mice, and you know this essential fatty acid is found in butter, but also in you know some plants, in fish, in milk, etc. So I think it might be a hard, um, it might be. A little bit far-fetched to say that you know like because of this research butter could be the secret to better health which is what the title <laughs> of this article suggests right yeah and that kind of brings into question to like a lot of times breakthroughs in science or even you know discoveries in science is related to like a very small component yeah and you know but when it is when 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 this discovery is publicized to the general um, audience it's going to be written in a way that is eye-catching a way yeah, that is simple to understand so clickbaiting right like it's like a buzzfeed article yeah <laughs> so i know it, that people it definitely gets people talking about it but might they get the wrong impression right because that that might not be the whole truth so i think that's also part of the reason like food foods are so complex you look at a tomato, there might be hundreds of different compounds in there, right? And we might not even have characterized all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, so to extract a single or like a group of compounds from a food, test it in a lab setting, and then extrapolate those health benefits to the whole fruit, right? How feasible is that? Yeah, so you can't really... See, that's the difference between someone studying a compound versus studying a food. Right. Uh-huh. And and by studying the food it's really easy to highlight the outcomes. But it it's very difficult to explain the mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hundred percent. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think what these people are doing is to go into dig into the deep uh mechanisms. Right. And trying right. to develop these C fifteen as a uh, this fatty acid as a um as a novel ingredient. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. No, completely. Or I think these people are doing a great job at looking at, okay, there are people who say butter is healthy. There are people who say butter is unhealthy. Well, let's dive deeper and see which parts of butter makes it healthy, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's a really good way to approach it. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, the way results are publicized and extrapolated, not by the researchers themselves, but by people writing about them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously... 
they did a good job in the sense of catching my attention, right? When I was looking at <laughs> articles or else we would have never even known about this research. Right. But at the same time, there's that fine line between like getting, making science accessible to the general public and not over-promising them too much. Totally, yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share another one you have? All right. So we're going to go to, uh, why don't we do this one? So it's uh, Kraft Heinz. Sure. So Kraft Heinz uh, in Q1, their CEO claimed that, uh, this is a direct quote from this person uh, who doesn't have a name. Uh, Wait, isn't it Miguel Patricio? Oh, yeah, Miguel. Yeah, Miguel <laughs> Patricio, uh, CEO of Kraft Heinz. So the quote states that in times of uncertainty, consumers turn to brands that they trust. They want to experiment less. Uh, I just want to know, like, is this true to you? Um, you know, I don't really work on the marketing or no no just like as a consumer itself oh okay okay (laughs) i was gonna say something else but okay Uh. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but i realized maybe i'm not in the position to comment on that but um as a consumer i feel like actually do you turn to more familiar brands well when you're grocery shopping not really i don't think yeah but i've always been the type of person who is pretty open to trying out new things Uh right if i'm buying cheddar cheese i will probably try a different brand each time just because i'm curious um so no i don't feel like i mean i definitely feel uncertain about (laughs) the times we're in like no doubt about that Mm -hmm. but i think in terms of food it hasn't really affected me you know, sticking to one brand instead of diversifying with other brands. And if anything, I feel like because I'm bored at home, when I go grocery shopping... You want to try more stuff. <laughs> exactly. Like, I want to uh-huh. try, like, oh, just kombucha brand I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I In know. My cart it goes. It's, when I first saw this article, I was like, yeah. And uh, I mean, Kraft Heinz isn't the first company, large company to claim it. Right? So model is... Uh, Coca-Cola boasts that similar things. So Mondelez mm-hmm. makes um, Oreo, right? The most famous one. And you know what Coca-Cola makes. So Right. Oh, actually, I uh, don't. What do they make? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go on. Uh, but so they they claim the same thing. And I feel like it could be true because of like, I can understand it from like a financial hardship perspective. It's like mm-hmm. you just have less extra cash to try new things. Mm-hmm. And if you just like, oh, this is like the new $4 Kobu that you might buy when you're in like a good standing of your finance. But now right. you might just be like, yeah, I, I'll probably stick with my powder coffee. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. so that might that's something I, I thought, you know, it could be look at yeah, it could be looking at from different ways. Mm-hmm. But um, really, the interesting point also was. Uh, a lot of these companies are focusing on their core uh, SKUs, so like mm-hmm. um, long time standing brands and products right, right. that people are familiar with, people have a lot of trust in, uh, which also means that they're postpone a lot of innovation, which mm-hmm. isn't you know the greatest thing to hear um, given both of our jobs. Definitely. Right. So so that's that's something. I think it's reflected in sales, right? When when these companies looking at their 
their uh, uh, first quarter sales uh, when mm-hmm. the pandemic first started. Um, probably people are stocking up a lot of the brands that are they are familiar with. Um, and and you know when you try things, you probably just buy one. But if you want right. to stock up, that's you true. You buy a lot of something that you know you're gonna love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least won't hate. Right. Uh huh. No, that's that's a really good point. Like you know, in terms of consumer buying habits, at the first you know when when we're at phase one of COVID, like people stocking up, they're definitely gonna go for like, okay, I know I love I don't know lace sour cream and onion. I'm gonna do that. I'm not gonna try and like like an Aldi brand that I've never heard of before, and I don't know if it's good. By the way, I've tried um, uh-huh. chip bread from Aldi, and I I really didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. So I feel like yeah. So I I can definitely see that point, but. I mean, it's 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 interesting though that you know you said that personally yourself, you don't really feel that way. No, I I I don't. I think first of all, I don't have a lot of snacks that I regularly consume. I was gonna say you're not really a <laughs> snacks person. You're like yeah. a whole meal person. <laughs> so that so that's that that's the thing. But I I'll probably um, be impacted less. Right. But I right. can see you know how. Um, parents would have kids at home, and they need to right. uh, prepare lunch and dinner and everything uh, for everyone. There's just no yeah. more school lunch stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's harder to get those things. So mm-hmm. it might be true that people are just um, stocking up the few yeah. items. I guess like some people, you know, in times of uncertainty and distress, they turn to something that is more consistent, something they can control. And for a lot of people, that's what they put into their stomach. Yeah, what for they sure. buy as a consumer, mm-hmm. right? Maybe for some people, like, you know, myself, right? I might not express it through food by buying the same brand over and over again. But there are other parts of my life where I try to, you know, where I am more consistent to look for more of that guarantee or certainty mm-hmm. um, so i think food is really a huge one for a lot of people because he- food is so intimate yeah and it's something that you engage with every day and you know so i, I can definitely see that um being a thing but yeah definitely mm-hmm. i think that that is quite universal across many different um, food companies many different brands as well yep so yeah. you want to do another from yours yep um before i jump into okay like this is actually a really good segue for my next topic okay <laughs> since we, t- we since we talked about um you know people's consistency in buying brands that they trust um one thing that i want to talk about is um so i found this article about orange juice sales and essentially consumers are looking for immunity boosts and buying more orange juice than before so the orange juice market has been doing really well. Interesting. Right. I thought they're not doing very great because of well, the other juice. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean because of the other juice? Like non-orange juices? Right. Well, I think this was before pandemic, right? Because the, the juice category has been diversified declining. a lot. And diversifying and yeah. also declining. Yeah, right, right, right. True. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... I guess like, you know, when you talked about people sticking to what they like for that feeling of certainty, Hmm. I think a lot of people think that orange juice, vitamin C helps me fight a cold or flu. I'm drinking a lot of it. That's sort of the thought process, right? To capture Mm -hmm. onto that certainty. But, um, you know, like you said, the juice category, like people definitely drink a lot more juice 
let's say, 20 years back than before. Yeah. In fact, um, there was a figure somewhere on here. And by the way, all the articles that I'm talking about are from Food uh, Food Dive. And all the articles that Ben talked about, um, that he brought out, they're from Food Navigator. So these are two popular news sites for getting information about the food industry. And we'll have links at um, our episode. What's that called? Uh, the show notes. Yeah. We'll, yes, we'll the put these notes. links in there. So you guys can go and see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, it's saying, okay, so here are some figures. According to USDA data cited by CNBC, right? Comparing 1998 to 2017, by 2017, consumers were drinking 60% less orange juice than in 1998. So that's a lot. Like 60% wow. less. Even though it's over a 20-year period. So, you know, the reason being God, that you know, fruit juice lot. has a lot of sugar. Yeah, uh-huh. that is a lot. That really is. Well, well this it surprised me that people back in 1998 drinks that much. I know. Well, juice. I guess people think it's like, oh, healthy breakfast food item. But yeah. in recent years, especially, you know, these two decades, people have been linking, like, high sugar consumption to, you know, obesity, um insulin regulation problems etc so it's not surprising that consumers um, as they learn about these issues have cut back on their consumption wow but orange juice orange juice sales in u.s increased 46 percent from the year before jeez that's a lot too that's a lot yeah people People are like downing it (laughs) yeah (laughs) pounding on orange juice yeah yeah even the price of oranges uh that's also increasing in early march they were at 94 cents per pound and mm-hmm. now they're at a dollar and 27 so wow. it doesn't seem like much but you know you look at it from a bigger standpoint yeah, adds up, yeah. yeah. wait that's yeah. pretty cool i mean actually you know of course florida has a department of citrus of course uh, yeah and it, wow hmm that's very yeah. interesting yeah yeah from tropicana owned by pepsico to minute mate and simply orange are, are all Coca-Cola. of those pepsi um pepsi owns tropicana coca-cola right. owns minute. minute mate and simply orange okay okay mm-hmm. both of those are um cokes that's right got it are you a juice person i can't remember the last time i drink juice really i eat fresh fruits i do not consume juice products right so yeah. healthy getting all that fiber well i never really used to drink anything besides water unless i'm yeah. at a restaurant you're your water purist i'm a water purist yeah like the most i'll do is like put three slices of cucumber in my water and okay. that's it <laughs> but ever since i joined my company earlier on this year and i'm working more on the beverage side of things whenever i go to the grocery store i'm like picking two or three different beverage items just to try them out you know since i'm working on this area now so yeah definitely been drinking more totally (laughs) beverages than before Uh uh-huh yeah okay i think that's a pretty solid discussion of recent news a lot of pandemic related news that's wait are all pieces pandemic related i I mean, I feel like that's not what we had in mind when we searched, but yeah, yeah but <laughs> that's uh, kind of well, what the came butter out. one isn't. The butter the one. The butter isn't. one isn't really. Yeah, but the rest of them yeah. are. You have a protein oat one. Did you want to talk about that? Uh, that's okay. 
I think okay. we can get into your AMSR. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right. So at the end of each episode, we have a short segment where we talk about new food products we've tried. Um, did you have any you wanted to share, Ben? Um, yes, I can share about this one. Um, my is a, it's a waffle. It's a waffle product from um, Rip Van. So this is, I think it's a Brooklyn company. Bro- okay. uh, it's company. Like R-I-P-V-A-N. Yeah, like R-I-P-V-A-N. That sounds like a sneaker brand for some reason, or like a surfboard, surfboard brand. Oh, I've seen those on airplanes. Yes, so they are on airplanes. Uh, I've never had it. Uh, I, I'm aware of the brand because of uh, airplane rides, but I've never had one. Um, right. So the other day I was in the grocery store. I picked the um, the minis. So mm-hmm. they're uh, smaller waffles. Um, right. They which they uh, it's it's very cinnamon driven. It's it's uh, less sweet. Um, you you know it's a decent cookie size type of um, sweet that you can eat, which is actually pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. It's not crunchy. It's actually uh, soft. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they are trying to compare or trying to target consumers who eat, um, you know, regular cookies, right? Mm-hmm. They want to convert those people onto these waffles because um, they are high in fiber, low in sugar. And um, the reason why they have a good sweetness still involved, I read the label and they have uh, monk fruits. Uh, so they add some fruit fruit, extract. uh, extracts yeah so to keep up with the keep up with the um sweetness natural sweetener right the whole stevia monk fruit bandwagon yep so that's what they're doing it's it's a decent product um i don't know if i would ever buy it again (laughs) (laughs) but but um it's it's actually it's actually not bad i think right right goes well with coffee I think it's just called a stroop waffle, right? The type of waffle it is. It's not like a waffle. No, it's that not a waffle pancake kitchen. waffle. Right. It's, it's a really thin, almost wafer thin waffle, but it's very chewy. Yes, exactly. So they're saying it's a European snack, mm-hmm. and um, they are. I don't know how European it is, but but they're 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 definitely a hybrid that that trying to mimic and replace. Uh, um, sugar right. cookies yeah I heard that the way you're supposed to eat them is you know when you take it out of a package you put it on top of like a steaming cup of tea or hot chocolate or something mm-hmm. and the steam from your beverage is supposed to kind of melt the oh. sweetener layer in between yeah. so it gets like a lot more so it's less sticky and more pliable got it yeah Never but did yeah that. great invention <laughs> <laughs> okay I've only had it on a plane, but when I did, I really liked it. It's, got it. It's pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So what you got there? Okay. Let me bring the packet. Give me two seconds again. Okay, dope. So I'm back. Mm-hmm. So I've actually never eaten this. Um, well, I've definitely eaten this type of food. I've never eaten this brand. But I wanted to try eating it today uh, because it's like really crunchy snack. So <laughs> I told Ben I wanted to do like ASMR. And yeah let everyone hear the crunch but um the product is by a brand called clancy's which uh-huh. also makes potato chips and whatnot for right. ld i mean it's distributed at ld but maybe also other places mm-hmm. but um the product is 
fried pork rinds. Yep. So, have you had them before? I've pork had rinds? pork rinds before. Yeah. Can you tell people what they are? What are what is a rind? Like a cheese rind or? <laughs> well, they're they're、uh, pork skins, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So they're pork skin that has been either fried or roasted. Yep. And um, yeah, I know for some people who only eat the meat of animals and not the skin or organs, it might sound really weird. But you know, it's also used quite a bit in I think Mexican cuisine. I've had it on tacos before, where it's drenched、mm-hmm. in sauce. It's really good. But, yep. Okay. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try it right now.、Okay. All right. Should I be quiet? Yes. Oh, it doesn't matter. You can edit out your voice. <laughs> I am the star of the show, Ben, not you. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay, okay. I have my pot filter, but I'm gonna remove it while I eat this. So, okay. Um, it feels really light and fluffy. It's like a one inch by one inch piece. Okay. Doesn't even look like pork skin. Just looks like something really airy and translucent on the inside, but. Oh wow! That it? Hmm. That was really good. Wait, let me try another piece. It's super crunchy, not in like a hard crunchy, but almost like in a crispy way. Hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of definition between crunchy and crispy in the sensory world, but I really don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but let me eat another one. Hmm. It's really good. Nice.、Just、what what、right、flavor is it? Just um original. Um,、or? this is just like original. Yeah. I think it's just salted, but you can definitely get spicy ones with this brand. Yeah. And I chickened out because you know Mexican spicy、mm-hmm. might be too spicy for me. Yeah. But yeah, pretty good. If anyone wants to try some pork skin, check this out. They have it at Aldi, ninety nine cents for a pretty big bag.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're on a budget, you know.、Yep. It's a good snack, yeah. For a three point two five ounce serving, doesn't sound like a lot because this is like really lightweight. Right. Yum. All right.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Well,、uh, we'll leave some time for you to continue to eat. <laughs> yes.、Um, but this is、uh, this has been the wrap of another episode. Right. I hope everybody liked these type of format that we're doing. We'll, we'll link the. New sources in the description, and hope you enjoy our、um, sort of raw reactions to these news. Right. Yeah. And、um, if you're interested in hearing something similar, or if you have other suggestions for what you want to hear about, we're very open. Just shoot us a, an email at fihpodcast at gmail dot com, and we'll get back to you. Okay. Till next time. Till next time.